Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. What I'd like for us to do for a moment, everyone whose family has been affected by the government shutdown, I want you to stand just for a sec. Just stand. Wow, 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 wow. That's, 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 that, that's a whole lot of us. Now, I mentioned, I'll keep standing for just a second, that in two weeks from now, two Sundays from now, we were going to receive our uh, advance fund commitments for 2019. But because of what, what the, the government has done and what's happening, we're not going to do that. We want you to focus on your family, keep yourselves whole, and, and all the rest. So uh, we're not going to do that. But even before we pray for one another, let's pray for these folks that are standing. Father, right now we pray for every family that's furloughed. May what the government intended for evil work out for good, Lord. May their paychecks, God, every, every, every penny, God, that could be lost, may, may they get not only that and more. May they be able to spend some private time, some quiet time with the family, plus get back everything taken. Also, I pray for all the folks here that might be between jobs or, or without jobs. Father, I pray that you give us work, God, that pleases you, God, that, that we can give you glory and we give you all the honor for it in Jesus' name. We're going to dig right in. And uh, my intent is to, again, get you out of here uh, relatively quickly. We're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 20, beginning with the 12th verse. And the inspired writer says, At that time, Baradak Baladin, the son of Baladin, the king of Babylon. Now, by the way, the Babylonians had dominated the Assyrians for centuries up to this point. And what better ally could the Babylonians try to gain than the king of Judah, who had just defeated the Assyrian army? I mean, 185,000 soldiers came against Judah, and, and the angel of the Lord moved, and they were totally wiped out. And uh, what's happening here is a little bit of politics. The Assyrians are planning to rise up. I'm sorry, the Babylonians are planning to rise up against the Assyrians, and they're looking for, for, for allies. And again, Judah has just uh, won or backed off the Assyrians, and everybody loves a, a winner. So uh, right now, we're going to watch how the uh, Babylonians begin to court. Israel. So the Babylonians sent letters and a present to Hezekiah. As a great statesman once said, in politics you have no permanent friends, no permanent enemies, only permanent interests. So this is what we have to learn, and I hope we learn this from the text. Don't get too smitten, too enamored by certain people's attention, because they'll only love you for as long as you have something to offer. And you got to understand it's not always personal. I used to think people love me. Then I found out they just like my gift. And you got to recognize everybody don't love you. And folks often are very much in love with what you happen to be offering at the moment. But you stop offering what you're offering. They're like, next, okay? So that, that's just the way things, things can be. For the Babylonians uh, heard, that, in other words, the, the, this royal regent, uh, Baladin, he was a fellow royal with Hezekiah. He reached out because he had heard that, that the sun went back 10 steps for Hezekiah. And, and in Babylon, actually, they worship the sun as a god. So if the sun would honor Hezekiah by going back 10 steps, 
They thought, you know, at least we could do is honor him with a letter and a substantial gift. For he heard that Hezekiah had been, been sick, and, and the, the background is covered earlier in the chapter. We're not going to dig into it all, but the short of it is the prophet Isaiah received a word from God that Hezekiah was going to uh, die, and, and he told the king, hey, king, get your house in order. And uh, Hezekiah, when he heard it, he didn't get angry at the prophet. He didn't start getting angry at God. What the Bible says is he turned his face to the wall, and he began to weep and cry out to God. And then God responded by adding 15 years to Hezekiah's life. So again, the king has survived by the power of God. God actually gave him certain medical treatments. It's amazing. There was boils and poultice and all that involved. Uh, but God actually told him exactly what remedy to use. And by the way, God can use doctors, and he can use medicine and bless you through that, okay? Everything does not have to be uh, uh, so... Uh, spectacular. Now, you know, even what I was trying to say, I didn't want to say everything doesn't have to be miraculous because it was a miracle. And God can still use medicine to produce miracles. Um, so again, don't, don't get so, you know, faith, 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 faith that you can never, you know, engage the natural for your remedy and, and for you getting better. So when, when these envoys came, Hezekiah, the Bible says, was attentive to them. He was thrilled. I mean, totally, you know, just, just, man, he was over, you know, uh, just, just over the moon by, by their coming. You see, Judah was a local power, but Babylon was a junior superpower. And what was happening here is Hezekiah and, 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 and Judah was finally being recognized in, in the big league. So Hezekiah was finally, you know, stomping with the big dogs, if you will. And so, you know, he's like, wow, you know, these, these Babylonians have come to, to see what we got going on. And he's all excited. And the Bible says he was what? Attentive to him. He started falling all over himself, making sure that everything he did only confirmed uh, that they should be impressed with him. Uh, but, but the problem is he didn't realize that he was only walking into the devil's trap. See, you don't have to try so hard to be recognized by people when you already know that you're approved by God. But like Hezekiah, sometimes we forget. And he showed the envoys all the houses of his treasure. You see, instead of using this opportunity or this visit as an opportunity to testify about the goodness of his God and how God miraculously healed him, told him exactly what medicines to use and, and how God said he'd live another 15 years, Instead of talking about his God, he spent the whole visit saying, look at my stuff. And this was the attitude of the king. You see, confidence is when you have everything to flaunt, but instead you choose, you know, not to make a big deal of it. You see, bragging is usually a signal you haven't had it very long. You see, but when you're used to having it, it's not a big deal. So, you know, he's showing off his treasures like, wow, you know, I'm going to be one of you guys, and, and thank you for finally acknowledging me, and, and y'all needed to acknowledge me a long time ago, but, but thank God you finally came. And, and then he, the Bible says it continues, the silver and gold he showed them. He's basically saying, you know, hey, Babylonians, look at my treasure. I, I, I could be a valuable ally. 
He said, look at the spices and the precious ointments. You know, they were, they were valuable balsam oil from, from the royal gardens. And he was showing them all this, saying, guys, be impressed. Man, let us, let us be part of the, the big boys and be part of the, the major leagues. And then he showed them all his what? Armory. Look at all of our weaponry. You know, we, we, we could be a formidable help. I mean, we, we, we really have some stuff going on. You just got, haven't recognized until now. And he said, all that was found among his what? Treasures, meaning there was much more that the king showed, but it was just too much to mention. You ever have a moment in your life, I, I know I have, where you wish someone would have just said to you, stop trying so hard. Yeah, this is exactly where the king is. You see, it's only small people who are always trying to make themselves look big. Will Rogers said it best in our generation, because our generation is a little different than the older ones, but he said, Stop buying things you don't need with money you don't have to impress people you don't even like. <laughs> yeah. I think that statement could probably describe all of high school for me. Why do we do this? I'm so glad you asked. Go to 1 John 2 and verse 16. And we're going to see John just, you know, amazingly and famously summarizing all of Satan's lure and all of Satan's power. He says this. I mean, this is worth his weight in gold, this statement. And if you could wrap your head around this, man, it would be a revelation of a lifetime. He said, for all, meaning the whole sum of the thing, meaning there's nothing outside that can be included outside of this, this all. For all that is in the what? Meaning this is the whole thing. This, this is it wrapped up in a sweet package. Please don't mishear what I'm saying. God enjoys the mountains. God uh, enjoys the rivers, the streams, and the oceans. And, and uh, he created them, and they all reflect his glory. The problem is not with the planet. The problem is with the ways of our world. So God is not saying that the planet is evil. He's saying the people and the system on the planet has fallen and become evil. For all that is in the what? World. Basically, he's saying, listen, if you don't understand the game, I'm about to spell the whole thing out for you. And then he lists three things, not five things, but three things that comprise every hustle, every trap, every temptation that we can experience as citizens of this, this planet. He said all this in the world is, number one, the lust of the flesh. Do you know when Eve looked at the tree, all three of these things were actually mentioned? She saw that the fruit was good. She saw it. It looked good. And then he said she also saw that it was good for food, lust of the flesh. And then the Bible says she also saw that it would make her wise. She wanted to be in the category. She wanted to run with the big dog. She wanted to run with God in the area of wisdom. All three of these areas, actually when Jesus was tempted, all three of these areas were covered. He said, if you're the son of God, turn these breads into stone, lust of the flesh, right? Then he said, if you are the son of God, I will give you all the what? Kingdoms of the what? world if he bowed down and what? Okay, no. He showed him. See, I got all this going on in my head. 
The Bible says that the devil showed him all the kingdoms of the earth, the lust of the eyes. So when he saw the generals with all the, the, the gold and all the stuff on it, he saw all the kingdom. He saw it. And naturally, you want what you see. So he showed him all the kingdoms of the earth. And he said, if you bow down and worship me, I'll, I'll give it to you. So again, lust of the flesh, make the, turn this thing into bread. The second thing is, showed him all the kingdoms. I'll give that to you. You can have every pretty thing, every pretty thing. The last thing he said, he took him to the pinnacle of the temple. And then he said, jump, meaning there were people on the temple. And then he quoted a script, he said, won't the angels catch you? Yada, yada, meaning if you jump from this temple, the angels are going to catch you. And everybody watching is going to see you fly through the air. You are going to be able to, man, you're going to command such audiences. I mean, people from all around will be like, what? This amazing Jesus. He, he is amazing. There's none like him. He, you'd be able to boast. You'd be able to, you would be like no other prophet that's ever lived. So basically, he was tempting with the pride of life. Do something outstanding so everyone could clap and applaud and recognize you for what you are. So all of these three things were contained in the temptation of Jesus. So... The thing, though, was there's nothing wrong with turning a rock into bread as much as it would have undermined God's purpose because that season was for him to learn to discipline his flesh. So it wasn't that it was evil, again, to want bread, but it was evil to step out of God's discipline. Do you get what I'm saying? And often we want to step out of process for something that seems innocent, like, what's wrong with that? But you know God don't want that for you. And when you step into it, it's the voice that you're following that causes all the, the trouble. So for all that's in the world, number one, the lust of the what? Flesh. This is the, you know what, I'm going to satisfy my, my physical desires no matter who I hurt, no matter who I harm, no matter what principles I break, I want mine. Stop looking at me so innocent, because we all deal with this at times. <laughs> we all deal with the lust of the flesh. I just want what I want when I want it. We all deal with that. And that's what this fast gun is all about. We're going to tell our bodies, you're not the boss of me. You are not the boss of me. I will not always do what you want me to do when you want me to do it. You hear what I'm saying? I got six people say amen. <laughs> all right. Number one, the lust of the flesh. Number two, the lust of the what? Eyes. This is the, the I got to see everything, or I had a, I, I have everything I see impulse. And again, you see this is what happened with Jesus as well. In other words, your neighbor has a 57-inch screen, you have a 53-inch screen, so you got to have one just like them by tomorrow or you're not happy. Never mind the fact you could barely pay your car, no, but you got to have what you just saw. By the way, the film, the video, the internet, uh, uh, industries have, they, they, they're trillion dollar industries because they've harnessed and leveraged this almost uncontrollable desire to look, to look. That's what you, by the way, you may not realize it, that's what you've been dealing with this week. There was some, I gotta look at something, what am I gonna go crazy here? Not looking at anything? And I'm trying to remind you, hey, there's, there's stuff pressing you and, and, and tempting you and drawing and pulling at you all day long. You will not die if you don't look. It just feels like it sometimes, all right? And we got to sometimes, you know, uh, control that impulse to look. So number one, what? Lust of the flesh. 
Number two, the lust of the eyes. Number three, the pride of life. This is the, I got to show you that I'm ahead, even if it's not true. This obsession with status, importance, being on top, bragging rights. The pride of life is the little Hezekiah in each of us. You see, Hezekiah, I'm a little bit ahead of myself. He was a good king, but he had a little problem. And many of us were good people, but we have these little problems, these little areas, these little foxes that destroy the vine. Can I, y'all came out in the snow. Can I go just a little bit deeper before we come out? All right. James 4 and 4. You're not going to like this part, though, but it'll be good for you. There's no way to sweeten up this, this portion of Scripture. James says, adulterers and adulteresses. There are no words of greater disgust written in the whole of the New Testament than these words. Matter of fact, let me say these words in terms that you might better understand. And stay with me because I'm in the book. I'm not just saying stuff. What James was saying, how many of y'all, you know, y'all think sometimes I'm tough. You ain't had a pastor until you had a pastor like James. What he was saying is you cheating, double-crossing, false-hearted, philandering, shifty, Disloyal, perfidious, that was a new, I just want to sneak that one in. <laughs> Sneaky, two-timing, trifling, covenant-breaking, backstabbing, cows. He's saying, guys, you don't even realize how low you have sunk. And then he, he continues, he said, don't you know that friendship with the world, watch this, is enmity, the King James Version says, hatred toward God. You see, satisfying what the world requires requires a lot of attention, a lot of time, a lot of energy, and a lot of resources. Likewise, pleasing God requires a lot of time, a lot of attention, a lot of energy, and a lot of resources. And the two become a tug of war and only one side can ultimately win. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. He said, we cannot serve God and mammon. Why? Because both the world and God will require 100% at the same time. That's the problem. If you're going to really do the world thing, you got to go at it. That's why we Christians look so silly when we half in and half out. And if you're really going to do the God thing and do it well and, and, and keep safe, you got to go at it. And he was saying, listen, the world requires 100%. Likewise, I require 100%. You can't do both. He says, whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world, this is operating the pride of life, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, makes himself, not God didn't call you nothing, you make yourself an enemy God. You see, we have to do everything in our power to keep temporal things in the right perspective. Keep them in your hands, but not in your heart. We're in the world, not others. See, the challenging thing about this is when people start saying, well, God don't want me to have anything. That's not what the Bible says. God wants to bless us, and he wants us to have resources to, to reach the world, etc. That's not what I'm saying. It's not you having stuff. It's stuff having you. That's the issue that the Bible deals with. 
We're in the world, but not what? Of the world. So there's nothing wrong with having natural human desires or, 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 or the desires of the flesh. As long as you rule them and they don't what? Rule you. There's nothing wrong with wanting to see interesting things. I like to see interesting things. As long as God remains the hero of your seeing and not the victim of your afterthoughts. There's nothing wrong with achieving, winning, and amassing wealth. Or what, what, you know, when you take it too far, it becomes a pride of life. As long as you have it and it doesn't have you. The issue is when these, these things become our obsession. It's when we choose these things over God that they become a problem. Back to 2 Kings 20 and 14. We're making excellent time. Are you learning? All right. Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah. And the king, by the way, was basking in the, in the, in the afterglow of, of all the praise of the Babylonians and the congratulations, attaboys. Wow, you did a great job. And he's just smiling and happy. Then the prophet shows up. And Isaiah said to him, what did these men say, king? And from where did they come to you? So Hezekiah said, you know, he's still grinning and everything. They, they came from a far country, from Babylon. Hezekiah was a little bit like that unpopular kid that, that finally gets the attention of the Nick girl. And he, he, he was like, you know, in, in his tone, you know, it was like, Isaiah, you, you should have seen how impressed these Babylonians were with, 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 with all that I have. And in his mind, he didn't realize that the pride of life had come rushing in like a flood. And it completely blinded him. And this king who was otherwise godly, that was otherwise exceptional, he was actually one of the most godly kings in all of Judah. I mean, next to David, you know, Hezekiah came very, very close. But still, this godly man finds himself ensnared by the pride of life. You see, the reason sin is so deceptive is because it's so deceptive. That's it. How many times do you have in your life, how did I do that? Why did I do that? Why you were doing it made perfect sense. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.